Okay, what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Happy Monday. Welcome back to the Sound of Dow. Happy MLK Day, everyone. Okay, so I know I've been doing a lot of talk recently, a lot of doomer talk about how the country's going to hell. We're going to become a third world nation. It's screwed. We're just going to slide off a cliff. And don't get me wrong. I, I realistically believe that stuff. But I feel like, you know what? We're going to have plenty of time to pout and sulk later, okay? I feel like it would be unfair to everyone if I didn't at least do one full podcast talking about how we can realistically save this country from sliding off a cliff at the hands of the far left, okay? And... That's what this podcast is. How can we realistically save America? And yes, realistically. So I'm not going to say something like, well, the Democrats in Congress just have to do a polar 180 on what they've been doing and just stop voting for crazy things, right? Because that's obviously not going to happen. But here's what I think realistically is in the control of our side. And if we play our cards right, if we follow this multi-step plan, we could realistically save this country. We could realistically make America great again. Okay, and let me just lay out that plan right off the bat. Like, let's go. Okay, so this is a multi-step plan, but I think number one is the obvious. We have to get the electoral process together. We, we have to restore trust and integrity in our election systems. Okay, and that's easier said than done. And the question is, well, how do we do that? Okay, so... I honestly think the best way, and listen, a lot of these swing states do have Republican state legislatures, so I'm sure they, they, they could get something done on that. But I think actually the best way is probably through the legal route, right? And th these court cases, make them independent of the election, make them independent of the Trump campaign, right? But specific legal cases, and I think these legal cases will win because I've, I've sort of read up on, on the state election laws in a lot of these states, and, and, and it seems to make sense that... The changes in the electoral process that a lot of these state secretary of states like in Georgia and Pennsylvania made, the, 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 the universal mail-in balloting, right, all these changes to the election are unconstitutional because only the state legislatures have the authority to grant these changes and these state legislatures did not consent to doing this universal mail-in voting crap, right? And look, if you take that to the right judge, we can win that. Okay, that, that is doable. I, I don't think it's completely unreasonable to say that that's possible. Just to make sure I would say, you know, follow through, right? Because obviously the, the election fraud stuff, those cases are over now. But making them independent of the election, right? A, a, a court is also more likely to hear these cases legitimately if they are independent of overturning election results because courts usually don't want to overturn any election because they don't want to seem political, right? But if you take the election out of it and just say, these new state election laws are unconstitutional because the state legislatures did not consent to them, realistically, we could do that, okay? So number one, get the electoral process in order by getting rid of a lot of these new changes that we saw in the 2020 election um, through, I would say, the legal system. Legislatively, if we can do that, that's great too. But I would say the legal system. That's the best way. Okay. Number two, get the GOP in order. So obviously we have to clean our, our own house before we try to fix anything in the rest of the country. But I would say number two, we have to get the Republican Party in order. And yes, the Republican Party. Okay. I hate to say it, folks. Some folks are not going to be happy with that. But we have a two-party system in this country. The electoral process is specifically set up especially with the Electoral College, so that it is basically impossible for a third party to ever exist, okay? So as much as the United Patriots Party, they're cool. I've, I've talked to the people who run it a few times. I like them. But 
realistically speaking, folks, there, there is no way that we can electorally survive with a three-party system. All that happens is the Republican Party and the Patriot Party or whatever party divides the votes and Democrats simply win. So the only way... And again, I, I'm being realistic in this podcast, so I'm not going to feed you any idealistic visions of, let's go start a new party, okay? Because even if that new party is really cool and has all the right ideas, simply logistically and numerically speaking, it will crash. It will crash our country for a specific reason. The system is not set up for a, th a third-party system, right? But with that being said, the only way we can fix our country is through reform of the Republican Party itself, okay? And listen... We can do that. What we need in our own party is basically, I would say basically like a, a Tea Party 2.0, right? Except the difference is we, we can, and listen, we can still have a lot of Tea Party values, but I think it needs to be an America first wave, right? Sort of Trumpism, that Trump brand of populism, right? Because as, as I talked about in another video, that stuff wins. So primary, listen, come 2022, let's primary out all the weak people that, that we don't like, okay? Like we, we can do that. There's certainly the energy to do that. We can clear house in, in the party, okay? Don't do, but don't do that boycott in November, folks. Like, don't don't come November 2022 and say I'm not voting for this person because he's a rhino. No, come to the primaries in spring 2022 and say I'm going to vote this rhino person out. Right? Obviously, we need to fix our party. We need to reform our party. Okay? But that I would say is the most doable because we are their constituency. We are their voters. So if we simply show up and primary a lot of these people out that we don't like, and I'm not going to name names because I don't have a full list of people. I'm going to like say primary these people out. But you. You guys know what I mean. Get our own party in order. We can do that. Okay, we can do that. Then, once we have uh, a reformed Republican Party that is half competent and actually knows what it's doing, number three, then we have to go on the offensive. Okay, then we have to go on the offensive, electorally speaking. So, number one, I think the Republican Party needs to become a working class party. I've talked about this in a prior video about how, electorally speaking, why Trumpism is so important. But to give you the short version, Look at, look at the electoral map in the modern day. The, the, the modern Republican path to victory runs through the Midwest. It runs through states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, etc. And so in order to win over these states, we have to become a, a working class party. That doesn't mean radically change our ideology, although there are some changes that need to be made. For instance, we need to become more protectionist, right? We need to become more populist on economics. But most importantly, change the appeal. Change the appeal here. This new Republican Party needs to stop making everything about socialism, okay? Because frankly, the 1990s were a long time ago. Most people forget that. That word no longer even strikes a core with, honestly, many Americans, okay? And frankly, socialism is not the enemy, the problem we face right now. The, the problem we face is actually a billionaire globalist elite and their form of corporatism. That is the greatest threat to our country. And that is what many people, especially those working class people up in the Midwest, are, are bearing the brunt of. Okay, And that's what we need to make our new opponent, basically. So we need to become a working class party, obviously. And, and Trump started that. We need to continue that. Okay, Don't go back to, to, to the party of old. That seems self-explanatory. Okay, And then, obviously, we need to take a look at like these voting demographics and what we lost and what we need to gain. Okay, so obviously Republicans need to win back the suburbs. Trump in 2018 and 2020 kind of struggled in the suburbs, right? This is not going to be hard, that hard, in my opinion, I don't think. Because once Joe Biden and all three chambers of government held by the Democrats take power and start to run over the country, you know, their crazy immigration plan that they try to push all this stuff, I think it will be pretty easy to push the suburbs back into the Republican hands simply by the default of they don't like what the Democrats are doing, okay? So I, I, I don't think that the suburbs is going to be super difficult to win back. 
But also, let's talk about racial demographics, okay? And this is something that I think the Republican Party fundamentally needs to get better on and change. Okay, so in the 2020 election, of minority appeals, it was pretty clear that the Republican Party was trying its hardest to appeal to the black community, right? It, it spent a, We spent a lot of focus in 2020 on the black community. Um, you, you, you guys saw the RNC. You remember the RNC. There was a lot of, you know— criminal justice reform, all, all, all this sort of talk. And I'm here to say that, look, I'm, I don't have anything principally against, you know, appealing to the black community. Obviously, we should try to be an open tent. We should try to expand our appeal, uh, the appeal of the Republican Party. But pragmatically speaking, it's wrong. It's, it's, it does not provide enough material gain that Republicans need. And honestly, we're in a fight for survival right now. So we need to do everything in pragmatic terms of what gives us the most, the most net benefit. And let me just say, the Republican Party's main focus in terms of minority appeal should not be on the black community, but should instead be on the Hispanic community. Let me explain why. So number one is just pure numbers. Hispanics are the largest minority demographic in America, and they're also the fastest growing minority demographic group in America. So obviously, numerically speaking, if we just win over the Hispanics, right, that just gives us more votes than if we were to win over all of the blacks in this country. That's just pure numbers, okay? But then let's also talk about pragmatically why it will probably be easier to actually win over the Hispanic vote than the black vote. Okay, so firstly, Democrats do not nearly have as much of a cultural monopoly on the Hispanic community as they do in the black community. Numerically speaking, like, 80 to 90% on any, any average year of black voters in this country are Democrats. Whereas with Hispanics, it's only about like 60%. So you can tell there's a lot more, I don't want to say like political diversity, but that's what it is. There's a lot more political diversity in the Hispanic community. So it is much easier to go in and make that appeal when the community is not so politically homogenous. And again, I'm not trying to make any like moral or principle argument here. All I'm saying is pragmatic, okay? Pragmatic, this is what realistically the Republicans could gain the most from, okay? But then politically, let's look at a lot of values that Hispanics, generally speaking, right, culturally in this country hold. They're very religious. They're Catholic, which I guess sort of puts us at odds with the Protestant establishment in the GOP. But look, we need to come together. Like for the millionth time, we, we need to put this stupid crap aside and, and, and come together and be realistic, okay? Th at the end of the day, I know Protestants and Catholics have their differences, but they agree far more than, you know, the atheist, secular, communist leftists that are trying to take over the country, right? And so we need to use that. We need to use that for good. I was talking to a friend about this. Uh, shout out to you. Um... He basically pointed out that there is a huge network, like one connected network of Catholic churches in the Southwest, right? We're talking like Texas, Arizona, those states, right? By the way, very important states in the election, right? Okay, let's keep going. Let's, let's, let's keep going here. Okay, so what he was proposing we do, and this is a very good idea, is we basically need to get that network of Catholic churches involved in politics for the Republican Party in the same way that many of the Baptist churches in the Southeast already do, right? And so that's what he was basically saying is, look, we need to get the Catholic church involved with politics in the same way that many of the Protestant churches in the South are involved with politics. Doable. Like, we can do that, okay? And it, it is obviously the strongest appeal there is because nothing is more important to a religious person than their religion. And if you, you know, intertwine, look, religious liberty, they're coming for your Bible, they're coming for your family. 
it's a very easy appeal to make electorally. In fact, it's it's the strongest appeal you can make electorally, okay? Because when you look at many Hispanics in this country, obviously not all, but, you know, the cultural norms in the Hispanic community, very religious, as a result, pro-life, and pro-family, okay? So, so they care about their religion and they care about their family. You can obviously see why the Republican appeal, but the sort of new Republican appeal, not the, not the old fiscal conservatism only Republican appeal, but the actual culturally conservative Republican appeal, you can see why that actually has very strong potential if the Republican Party jumps on it and, and, and stops, you know, dilly-dallying along all this, all this pandering, actually jumps on that, you could see... Hispanics really turn in numbers for the for the Republican Party. It's already happening, by the way, folks. And many people think it's just, oh, it's just the Cubans and Venezuelans down in South Florida. This election cycle voted for Trump because they were scared of socialism. But nationwide, it's still a trend that the Hispanics are overwhelmingly Democrat. Many people have said that to try to sort of, you know, make excuses for the abysmal Hispanic turnout for the Democrats in this past election cycle. But if you actually look at these numbers... That is not true. It is not true that Hispanics only in South Florida turned out for the Republicans, okay? Texas. Texas, a big reason why Trump won Texas by a much bigger margin than Ted Cruz was actually his Hispanic turnout. Take the example of Star County, Texas. It's in South Texas, pretty much all, almost like majority, like 90% Hispanic. I don't know the exact number, but overwhelmingly Hispanic area, right? In 2016, Hillary won this district by 60 points. In 2020, Trump only lost by five points. Okay, so across the country, it's, it's not just a trend in Florida. Nationwide, you can sort of already see this movement starting to pick up steam, where the lawlessness of, of Black Lives Matter and the attacks on religious liberty and, and the, the late-term abortion, right, you are already starting to see this trend where the Hispanic community is starting to turn to the Republican Party, not so much because of economics, but because of culturally conservative ideas. The Republican Party needs to jump on this. The Republican Party needs to take advantage of this, okay? Because, like, electorally speaking, this is our future, okay? This is our future. And by the way, let, 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 me, let me make it very clear that when I say we should appeal to a, a minority group like the Hispanics in this way, don't make that appeal in the sort of cheap form of pandering that Republicans, I think, personally did in 2020. You know, where they tried to appeal to the black community mainly by saying, oh, look at us, we did criminal justice reform, okay? And I'm not making a comment on whether or not criminal justice reform is good or bad. Like, I think some degree of it is necessary, but I think a lot of it is also, you know, just lets criminals out of jail, right? But their attempt this year with the black community, and by the way, it did not work very well because Trump only gained like six points with the, with the black community. He went from 7% to 13%, which is nothing, okay? So clearly it didn't work. So you, you don't have to take my word for it. But the Republican strategy with minorities over the past four years has seemed to be Oh, we are more woke than them. Look at us. We can pander the way the Democrats do too. And look, you are never going to out-woke the Democrats. You're never going to be able to out-pander the Democrats. So stop trying to win over that part of the community. Like, Republicans should actually offer a message to minority communities that is in polar opposition to the Democrats and actually counters, you know, the aspects of the Democratic message that many minorities might not like, right? If it's the black community you're trying to appeal to, no, actually, don't uh, don't apologize for law and order. Double down on law and order because guess what? 
there are a lot of black people in the black community that are scared, right? They are scared that the under-policing and the defunding of police is going to make their neighborhoods dangerous. Those are the people you should be going after, not the criminal justice reform advocates. You don't go, you don't go over the, uh, oh, after the criminal justice people because those people are always going to vote for Democrats because Democrats are more woke than them. Like, stop trying to appeal to the woke base because you're never going to win those people. Appeal to the people who are not happy with the woke base, okay? And then when it comes to the issue of the Hispanic community, I've been hearing a lot of people say, well, the the way that Republicans should appeal to Hispanics is by compromising on immigration. Like, we, we should do our own amnesty plan or something like that. And I'm here to say, like, no, that that for, that is cheap pandering. Again, the Democrats are always going to be able to outwoke and outpander us on the issue. They're always going to be able to legalize more illegals than us, okay? That's not the base you're going after. The people you should be targeting are the people who... And by the way, this is true in the Hispanic community. This is true in a lot of immigrant communities where even though they're immigrants themselves, they're like, hey, I came here legally. Why should all these people be allowed to cut in line, right? That's, that's, that's a prominent... Uh, view in the Asian community. I know it's also a prominent view with many legal citizens in the Hispanic community, right? Like, believe it or not, many immigrants groups in this country are more immigration restrictionist than you might think, okay? Than you might think, especially those who came here legally. Use that. Appeal to that. And like I said, make a more deeper appeal than we are more woke than the Democrats know. Make a deep appeal that goes into their traditional values, goes into, the, you know, their love for their family, their religion, right? The Democrats are coming for your religion. Whether you're a Catholic or a Protestant, they are coming for Christianity. Use that. Say that. It will win, okay? So, so, so that, that's what I think we need to do. We need to update our electoral strategy. And yes, we need to become a big tent. We need to sort of expand, but we need to expand in the right way. Stop stop the ridiculous pandering where it's like, look at us, we did criminal justice reform, vote for us now. No, if you're going to expand, obviously we need to expand, but if you're going to expand, expand with substance. Like present a message that is not halfway of what the Democrats is, present a message that is polarly opposite of what the Democrats are. And let people decide. I, I can tell you, the woke base is a very small portion in all these communities, okay? So go after the older, older, more traditionalist people, right? The more culturally conservative people. Make the cultural appeal. Use the culture because a lot of people are not happy with where the culture is going. Take advantage of these things, okay? We need to use these things. So obviously, go on the offensive. Go on the offensive in Arizona. Take this message to Arizona, to the Catholic churches in Arizona, to Texas, right? To Florida, we need this. Use it, all right? So that's number number three. I know number three was pretty long. But um, number four, now, politically speaking, those are the things, like, if we, if we use that correctly, we can save this thing. We can save this train wreck of a country. Now, will the GOP succeed in that? Probably not, because the GOP is stupid and sucks. But we have the power, we have the tools to do it, okay? And numerically speaking, if we were able to turn the Hispanic community even to just a slight majority leaning Republican, we would dominate national politics, okay? Given that we don't lose any significant ground with the white with white people, obviously we still need those people electorally, but if we were to just take a slight edge with the Hispanic community, we could dominate, okay? But forget the Republican party for a second, forget even politics for a second, what can you do? Well, it's very simple. Get married, start a family, and raise kids. Okay? Raise kids. And you know what? Have as many kids as you can financially sustain. Why? Other than the fact that, like, yeah, I can, I can throw all the, the culturally conservative, like, that's your, it's your role in life, that's your duty in life, and it is. But 
Honestly, let's be more pragmatic than that. We need to outnumber these jerks, okay? Like, we need to populate as much as possible, conservatives, populate as much as possible, have as many kids as possible, raise them right, keep them away from public schools, or, or teach them, like, you know, if they're in public school, teach them what the truth is, and we need to outnumber these jerks, okay? We need to bring back Republican motherhood. If you guys don't know that, look, look, look up what that is. Bring back Republican motherhood and just to be woke for the 21st century, Republican fatherhood too, okay? Republican parenthood, okay? Are you happy with that? But we need to bring it back. We need to start outnumbering these jerks, okay? 20, 30 years from now, raise, because listen, don't forget guys, as much as they're trying to import um, immigrants, both legal and illegal, so that they outnumber us anyway, these remember that these are the people these are the feminists who believe that the the sole job of a woman in life is to be a slave to their career and, and never start a family and have kids remember that's who we're up against we can use that to our advantage because if we start families if we have kids and we raise them correctly republican parenthood republican parenthood okay don't cancel me republican parenthood then we can do it, okay? We can save this country. We can save this country. Children are the future. Everyone knows that. Outnumber these people, okay? Seriously, outnumber these people, outbreed these people, because guess what? These are the people who are, you know, turn 45 and don't have kids and are depressed about it. Okay, whatever. Turn 30, have kids, outnumber them, okay? We need to raise a, a generation, the next generation, I don't know. It's Generation Z, what comes after Generation A. I, I don't know how the reset works. But the next generation, let's be the, all be the ones that have kids because they are not having kids at the same rates. Populate, populate, populate. That's the long-term way we save this country. Outnumber these jerks, okay? So, then comes to the question of, well... How do we actually, like, I've laid out all this stuff for the future, right? But in the short term, how do we stop Biden's agenda? Because we obviously know if Biden does this amnesty thing and gives citizenship to 11 million illegal immigrants, we're probably doomed regardless. And don't get me wrong, we could probably gain a lot of ground with the legal Hispanic community in the sense that we just go to them and say, look, if you, you waited in line and these people didn't, what the hell is this? But still, we'd probably be screwed. Now, the good news is, we have Joe Manchin, okay? That, that, that is my single hope for all of this stuff, okay? We have Joe Manchin. Now, Joe Manchin has indicated that he will vote for Biden care, but frankly, that's fine. Healthcare is a secondary issue right now. We can always go back and fix healthcare later. We can't go back and fix the country later if they go through with all this stuff, okay? But let's hope, let's put a lot of pressure on Joe Manchin, you know, to, to, to do the right thing, right? To oppose packing the courts, which he said he's gonna do. Oppose statehood for DC. Okay, great, good job, working class Joe. Um, but let's, all this is assuming that hopefully Joe Manchin sort of like, you know, tries to fend off some of this radical left stuff. We honestly don't know how Joe Manchin is going to govern, but he is from West Virginia. He's a blue dog Democrat, respectable, right? Hopefully he pushes back on uh, uh, some of this stuff. Okay. Is that going to happen? I honestly don't know. But let's hope, like, let's hope, okay? There, there is some indication that he will push back against some of that stuff. So that is our hope, all right? That, 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 that is that, he, he is our hope. He might be our savior in all of this, okay? So for, for the people saying, well, Joe, Joe Biden is trying to rig the electorate, that's true. But let, we remember that we have Joe Manchin. Let's hope he comes through, okay? Now, lastly, I don't know if I counted that as a number. So this is either five or six, Um I don't know. Let's just say it's number five. I don't know if I counted the Joe Manchin one as a number. But lastly, folks, the question of the Second Amendment. All right. Obviously, this is a very important issue. 
If you haven't heard Joe Biden's gun plan, you can go read it. Literally, just just uh, Google Joe Biden's gun control plan. Read it for yourself. It's 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 radical. It's insane. It's crazy. Um, how do we stop that? Assuming that Joe Manchin doesn't just be a patriot and stop it himself, how do we stop that? Because obviously, the Second Amendment is very important. It's very important for the future of this country. Okay, not going to get into the specifics. You guys already know why. Um, how do we stop that? Well. A lot of people might just say, oh, well, you know, just don't follow Joe Biden's gun laws. Just just disobey his gun laws. Okay. Okay. Fair response. But I, I think we need to go further than that. Nullification. That's my answer to the, to the gun issue. Nullification. Republican states, every state with a Republican governorship and a Republican state legislature needs to nullify Joe Biden's gun law. Whatever his gun control plan is. If you guys don't know what nullification is, Google it, okay? I'm not your U.S. history teacher. But nullification essentially is a constitutional theory that states have the ability to uh, nullify or basically, you know, throw out, toss out, not enforce laws passed by the federal government that are not constitutional. And you can see forms of passive nullification happen in American politics all the time. The sanctuary city thing. That is a form of nullification, right? The, the, the state governments and local governments are saying, we're not going to obey, we're not going to enforce the federal government's orders. Okay, the same thing happened. It's already happened on the issue of guns, too. And I think it's, what's that place in uh, Washington called? Republic Washington, right? That county in Washington basically said, we're not going to enforce the, the gun laws that are, were passed by the state of Washington. There is plenty of precedent for this, okay? What Republican states need to do is simply go out and say, like, Arizona, because Arizona still has very good gun laws and a Republican state legislature for now, Texas, Florida, everywhere, right? They need to go out and say, we will not enforce Joe Biden's gun control plan, okay? So we are not going to be banning, because his gun control plan doesn't have to do with confiscation, but basically it's trying to grandfather out all semi-automatic rifles. Okay, they need to say, look, we're not going to stop the manufacturing of AR-15s in our state. We're not going to go arrest gun store owners for selling AR-15s. We're not going to enforce this gun control plan at all. We're going to nullify it, right? Keep in mind that the way that the federal government most of the time enforces laws is by relying on state and local governments to do it for them. So then what happens if the local police department is not going to enforce the, 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 the gun laws or even the local state government is not going to enforce the gun laws? Well, then the federal government is put in a very tricky position. Either number one, you know, the federal government actually goes in, like sends in federal agents to, to, to enforce it themselves. That's not happening. Okay, that, that's most likely, most likely that would not happen because it would just optically end up being very bad for the federal government. It'd probably be very messy. There might even be bloodshed. That wouldn't happen, right? The, the federal government is not going to go in and, and, and try to override the nullification. And if there is, if they do, then we will have some severe problems on our hands. But most likely what the federal government realistically would do is just stand down. That's what realistically the federal government most likely would do. They would just stand down. They would just give up. They would just whatever. Okay, because they don't have they don't have the manpower. They don't have the logistics. And just optically speaking, it would be way too much of a mess to actually go in and try to override that nullification. They would just give up. In which case, by the way, we do get another positive benefit, which is that the federal government would work would and Joe Biden and the federal government would look extremely weak. And in the process. A lot of respect by the American people for the federal government is lost, which I guess could be a good thing in the long term because not just on the issue of guns, but in general, because as these Democrats be begin to overrun and take over the federal government, states and local governments stop taking their laws and their orders seriously, which could you could see nullification of some other crazy stuff they try to do, right? But 
that I think that's the best way to, you know, resist the Biden gun control plan. Nullify, 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 okay? And so when it comes around, remember what I said. And call call your state reps, call, call you know, your, your governor, all that stuff. Tell them, nullify the Biden gun control plan. Do not enforce it, okay? And what's the federal government honestly going to do? Nothing. They, they, really, they really couldn't do much if... They, they could, but it would basically result in civil war. And the federal government doesn't want to do that, right? So they, they, they would just probably give up, okay? That's my plan, folks. Listen, if we do all of those things... We have a shot, okay? We have a shot at saving this country. Not saying we will, okay? I, I, I still think we're probably screwed anyway. And you might be saying to some of these things, well, Vince, how, how is that really going to save the country? Well, the answer is we have a, a good Republican Party, right? Think about what, like, now let's reflect on what I laid out. Number one, we got the electoral process in order, right? It, we have, we basically restored relative integrity and relative security and regular relative trust in our electoral process, right? And... We have a reform GOP that actually has a strategy and a message that will actually win over voters and ultimately save the country, like this fiery brand of populism that actually stands up and fights for things that are more than just fiscal conservatism, right? Now that we have this, we can go out, win future elections, assuming that the, the Biden immigration plan and the Puerto Rico thing doesn't end up happening, in which case we're screwed. But we have this message, we, we have these ideas, and we have this electoral process that we can trust, and we have... Republican motherhood, sorry, Republican parenthood that has set up a generation of patriots to go out and change the electorate and change the country. And, you know, we, we still have the Second Amendment because that's just needed in any society. All those things considered, we can reform the system. We can take back the system. We can take back the country. Okay? Like, literally just through that. Okay? So keep in mind what I said. Let me know what you guys think. Um... But those are my solutions. Those are my realistic solutions to how to right the sinking ship. The, sink, the ship's probably going to sink anyway, guys. I, I don't want to get your hopes up because even though all these things are achievable, um, mainly the Republican Party is too stupid to get any of it done. Um, and, you know, a third party is too unfeasible to come in and replace the Republican Party and get it done too. So, like, either way, where it's kind of a lose-lose situation. But we can hope. We can only dream. And hopefully someone important from the Republican Party ends up seeing this video and decides, hey, we should get our act together. Anyways, guys, that'll do it for this podcast. I'll see you guys. Actually, we're going to do a live stream on YouTube. So if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel. But we're going to be doing a uh, a live stream on YouTube during the inauguration. I know we've done a lot of watch parties for with Chandler Crump uh, for the debates and, 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 you know, and all that stuff. Yes, folks, we're going to be doing a watch party of the inauguration. Come watch the inauguration with us. We'll make it fun. We'll make it a little bit less painful uh, for everyone. Okay. Anyways, guys, I will see you guys on Wednesday, maybe even tomorrow, um, but definitely see you guys on that stream on Wednesday. And until ne next time, remember, if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, follow the podcast. If you're listening on iTunes, rate the podcast five stars. And until next time, I will see you guys later. Remember, 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 alpha moves only and peace.